Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Again, while we teach on the name of Jesus, we'll minister, what I like to call minister for effect, which means we'll teach the Word, then we'll minister to you. A lot of times that's as you follow the Spirit of God in ministry, you that are preachers will figure this out if you've not already done it. Um, there are times when the Spirit of God will move. We've experienced it here many times after a worship service when the anointing is, is, is right and ripe. Amen? But you know, there are other times where people need an opportunity to hear the Word and then respond according to what they're hearing. Now, this what we're teaching right now, church, let me, let me just say this. In my, in our ministry now, coming up on March, which will be 39 years, and all of the preparation that I have made in my life in sitting, other, other, uh, sitting under other men's ministries, I've not heard this taught on but maybe two or three times. And it's one of the most important subjects that you can be solid on in the Word of God. Because if you're not solid on the name of Jesus... If you're not solid on the name of Jesus, there's a whole lot the devil can do to you. But if you're, if you're solid on the name of Jesus, then I'm going to tell you, there's, there's hardly anything he can do to you. Amen? So as we've studied now, we've seen that there is a preeminent name in the universe, in our world. I mean, we could come up with names of leaders and names of nations and probably even names of movements and things, but all of it pales in comparison to the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus sits atop all of it. You, you, you take all the categories of history and, and everything else. Jesus sits on the top of it all. He is the name that is above every name. Now, let me just say this too. This will might help you in understanding how the power of that name works. When you say, in the name of Jesus, when you're using that authority and you're saying, in the name of Jesus, get your hand off my child. You know, I, I command this fever to break. I command this financial situation to turn around. I command this bondage. Of, did you know you're taking the entire word of God and slapping the devil upside the head with it? But it only has effect according to what you believe. You understand that? You say, what do you mean? Knowledge is important. It is the knowledge of the word of God that imparts faith to you. And it's his name through faith in his name that made the man whole at the gate beautiful who was, who was uh, infirm from birth. He was healed of a birth defect. Hallelujah. So we've looked at several uh, different subjects, different ways in which Jesus got his name. Last week we looked at conquest. Jesus defeated the devil. I said Jesus defeated the devil. The devil is defeated. Some people need to get a revelation of that. You'd quit listening to him so much. Amen? Listen, if the voice that you hear in your mind most often is the devil, you got a problem. <laughs> Amen. You got a problem. You better take the name of Jesus and start slapping it up against the devil's head, telling him to get out of your thought life. You say, why? Because Jesus has conquered the devil in every level, in every area. Amen. The Bible says, for this reason was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. That word means to loosen and dissolve. So every bondage that has ever held you has been loosened and dissolved by the power of the name of Jesus. 
Amen. Then it says he spoiled principalities and powers, made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. I tell you, he destroyed every demon, every demonic power, the devil himself, anything that Satan can muster against humanity. Jesus has defeated it and wrapped his victory in his name and given you his name. Amen. Now, this morning, if you will, turn to Philippians chapter 2. And I'm going to do my best. This is a chapter of the Bible. I would dare say, when people ask me my favorite books, I love Ephesians and Hebrews, and I love the, the two history books, the first and second Samuel, because I love Samuel. He's my favorite Old Testament prophet. How'd you like to be a guy that God says, none of your words will fall to the ground? That was Samuel. I think he's cool. I'm going to look forward to hanging out with Samuel in heaven. If you want to find me in heaven, look for Samuel. I'll be hanging around him. Amen. But anyway, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the word of God here in Philippians chapter 2, I have this chapter has probably been the source of more correction in my life than any other chapter. I've never been corrected more by God out of this chapter than any other chapter. Because this is the chapter that reveals the second way Jesus got his name. And the second way Jesus got his name is he had it conferred upon him through his obedience and his sacrifice. Amen? Now, I'm telling you, we don't understand. We're human beings. We are not divine beings. We are in the divine category along with the angelic and demonic. There's the angelic, there's the demonic, there's the human, and there's the deity. Amen? But in the midst of all that, you have to understand your place and your position and how you act or interact from that place or from that position. In this scripture, we see a revelation of a God, of a creator of the universe submitting himself to the plan of himself to reduce himself down to a human being, come on the earth and then be obedient even to death, the death of the cross. But out of that, the Bible says God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Wow. So we see perfect submission. Amen. We, we see perfect submission to the will and to the plan of God without hesitation. Uh, you know, for years, I even preached it, thought it, thought it to be true in the garden that Jesus was resisting the death of the cross. But Jesus was not resisting the death of the cross in the garden. Jesus res was resisting the death of the garden. You say, what do you mean? He was dying when he was praying. He was dying, agonizing over the sin he would be carrying, which was your sin and my sin, your iniquity, my iniquity. The Bible says he agonized over that and sweat as it were great drops of blood rolling down his face. And he said, Lord, take this cup from me. Don't let me die now. It's not time. I've not accumulated the sin. I've not accumulated the sickness. I've not accumulated the depravity of this fallen generation. Give me one more day. Don't let, let this cup pass from me tonight so I can drink of it tomorrow. Pretty serious. You talk about submission. I mean, would you submit to die for another? Think about that for a minute. Would you? I know many, you know, come on church, we've got heroes in our nation and in our history that have stood up when others sat down 
and gave their lives in, in combat and other areas, you know, in order to, uh, to uh, uh, save their brothers in arms or, or some other, you know, situation they were in. Sure, there's been people that have given their life, but for the whole world and to look at a world that would reject you and a world that would not want you and a world that, has no, that, that wants no part of you and to come and die for a world that has rejected you. That's pretty powerful. Now, pick it up in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1. Let me read here in King James. I've got two or three translations. I, I don't want to be in a hurry on this because, like I say, so many, so much of the correction of my life has come out of this chapter. Not only that, for years and years when we traveled, many of the churches that we, we traveled in, the pastors many times would ask me to do uh, some teaching to the staff and to the volunteers of the church. And without exception, when I would pray, the Lord would always take me to Philippians 2, to say, start there. Because if you can't get this right, you're not, you're not going to get nothing right. That's why a lot of people are offended. Let, let me just help you with offense. <clears throat> if you have a problem with offense, you're going to have a problem with Island Church. Because you will get offended here. You will get offended here. Let me try that again. You will get offended here. Now, here's the deal. If you study the Word of God and you see how the Word of God works, you will understand that to the human soul, the Word of God is offensive. That's one of the areas people get offended is in the Word. It says that in Mark chapter 4. When the sower soweth the Word, many get offended because of the persecution or the affliction that arises, amen, for the Word's sake. Then a lot of people, a lot of people get very offended at the way God does things. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, tell that to John the Baptist who ended up getting his head cut off because he went to the wrong city at the wrong time, preached the wrong message to the wrong person, and it cost him his head. It was not the will of God John the Baptist die. Not the will of God that you die in your offense. Then we get offended at other people. Now, think about the, the opportunity for offense that Jesus had. To feel like a victim. Why me? To be vile or to get to the place where God's will is going to be done and you think, I've got to do that? But he had perfect submission. He had a perfect heart. And so people will say, this, well, Pastor, you know, we're just all human. No, you're not. When you got born again, you left the human family. You're in God's family now. There is an element of the divine on the inside of you and the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. There's new motivations, there's new life, there's new light, there's new insight. There's everything of God it is in you and God's trying to get you to bring that to the outside so you can enjoy the benefit of the life He died to give you. Now listen to this. Verse 1 in, in, in King James chapter 2 verse 1. If there therefore be any consolations in Christ, any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies. Fulfill ye my joy, that ye being like-minded, everybody say like-minded, having the same love. Woo! Having the same love. Everybody say having the same love. Being of one accord of one mind. Now listen, this is what he's saying here. Now, if he's telling us to do this and doesn't give us what we need to do that, we're in trouble. Amen? We're in trouble. But he gives us all the information we need to bring this type of character into our life. Amen? 
So actually, he's saying this. I've read several. I've studied this. I've done the deep dives on it. He's saying this. He's saying, now listen, guys, if I've ever said anything to you that's important, you need to listen to what I'm fixing to tell you. Actually, if you read other translations and study the Greek and the linear, he's literally saying this. Focus on what I'm fixing to say because if you don't get this, you ain't getting nothing. That's what he said. So I think it's very important we listen to what he's fixing to say. Now listen to what he says. It says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. If as a church we obeyed that one scripture, no one would ever leave, no one would ever get offended, and we'd grow mega churches on every corner. If we'd obey one scripture right there. Let that sink in a minute. If we obey that one scripture. Now let me read it again. Listen to it. Listen to it. Because, you know, we, we, get so, we get so self-righteous sometimes, you know, in our obedience. Come on, church, let's just get real honest. You obey God and you get blessed. You obey God and you get blessed. You get a little self-righteous in your obedience. Sometimes you need a little humility to come back into your life. We'll get to that in a minute, amen. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Listen, if you ever come to me and say to me, I think you just think you're better than me, I'm going to have to look at you and say, I'm sorry, I don't. I don't think I'm better than anybody. I know I live in my own bones. I know who I am. Amen? And I haven't tried to exalt myself over anybody in the last 39 years. I have been so humbled that God had the mercy to rescue me out of hell itself so that I could come serve Him. And if I died tomorrow, I'd go to heaven shouting, Look what the Lord has done! Amen. Amen. But now notice, let nothing be done through strife for vainglory. But in lowness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man at his own things, but every man also at the things of others. Let this mind, let this attitude, let this purpose be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, he begins this by saying, now, one of the number one things you're going to have to watch for is doing things through strife or vainglory. So there is, a, there is our instruction for behavior in the church. You say what? Don't do anything through strife or vainglory. Strife or vainglory. Strife. What is strife? Strife is doing it. Well, if nobody else will do it, I guess I'll do it. Well, why don't we just do without it this week? Because if all we got is you, then I'd rather do without it. Do we want to put that on the kids, the, the teenagers? Well, if nobody else will do it, I guess I'll do it. That's strife. That's what that is. And a lot of people, well, I'll come to church, I'll do this, I'll do that. But a lot of what they do, they do out of strife. They do it out of obedience, but there's no willingness. When it says in Isaiah, for willing and obedient. So what we're doing here is we're painting a picture of Jesus in his humility and his submission. He was lowly in mind. The Bible says he was meek. Listen, this guy could have called the armies of the angelic realm and turned the universe into a cinder. That's God. But now notice. Let me read that again. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Strife is when we do things unwillingly in the kingdom. Then vainglory is just the opposite. What do we do it for? Vainglory. Look at me. Look at what I'm doing. Look how I pray. 
Look how spiritual I am. Well, you ain't nothing. That's vain glory. Let God promote you. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others. That's why we've promoted, Lord have mercy. We have, we have helped more people go into the ministry over the years than I can I mean, I've never, I've never been in a, uh, a head of a formal Bible school. But my goodness, people all over the world are there because we've been obedient to teach them and to show them you must become submissive to that which God says. In your submission, you get your assignment. Let this mind, let this purpose, let this attitude be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Now notice this, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Now, what are we talking about? Faith. Faith in His name. How do we get faith in His name? Information from the Word of God. Scriptures, chapter and verse, line upon line, precept upon precept, downloading into you revelation of the Word of God will cause the strength of the power of the name of Jesus to rise up in you. So He got it through conquest. Now He's got it conferred upon Him through, through the way He obeyed His Father. Now we confer... I guess all kinds of awards upon people. Sadly to say, most of them have gone political. You know, the Nobel Peace Prize has gone political and several of them. But many men have, have gone out and done things not intending to win some award or have some accolade placed to their name, you know, at the end of their life. But they did because it was conferred upon them because of a life's work. They weren't out in a competition. They weren't out trying to get something. They were out trying to, most of them were out trying to better humanity, trying to invent something or find something medically or some way that would help the human plight. But what they did at the end of their life, because of what they had done, either the society they lived in, the nation they lived in, the state they lived in, the company in which they worked for, whatever, saw that they had done something and conferred usually a title upon them. Amen? Amen? And those titles, you know, they demand respect. They demand, uh, uh, you know, many of them uh, tell the story of what, what they have done. But here it's different. Jesus is showing us a submission on a level humanity does not know. Now let me say this. If you're not going to serve God, don't you dare get submissive. Now let me say that again. If you're not going to serve God, you say, well, you know, I like, you know, that sounds all well and good, but I mean, I got other things I need to do and other things I want to do. Well, good. Don't you get submissive. This world will beat your brains in. This world will tear you to pieces. Submission does not work in this world system. Submission is a character trait of the kingdom of God. Now, let me say this. In the world system, if you're submissive, it's a weakness. In the kingdom of God, if you're submissive, it's your greatest strength. 
You say, why? Because you've got to submit to the Word of God just to study or read it. You've got to submit to bow your knee in prayer. You should, you should submit to come and be a part of a local church. You should submit to the doctrines of the Word of God. You should submit to pastoral authority. But the problem is these days, we've got the Internet. And we got jet airplanes and we got fast cars and you can get on an airplane or you can get on the internet or you can get on a fast car and you can go somewhere to find someone that will say something that makes your ears feel good. Tickling messages, usually very sensational with lots of pop and presence. But does it build you? Does it feed you? Does it grow you? See, when I used to teaching churches a lot, instead of going in and having a big evangelistic or prophetic explosion, I would go in and try to help the people and teach the people. And many times I would get to Philippians chapter 2 on a Monday or a Tuesday night and we'd start teaching and people begin to see in themselves how selfish they were, how, how unsubmitted they were, how, how, how can I say this, how offended they were and not realize that there is a plan that God has. In that plan, you're going to have to find some meekness, some humility and submission. But in that plan, your meekness and that humility and submission is going to guard you from offense. Offense is the number one disease that empties out the move of God. Not churches, but the move of God because to the human soul, everything in this book is offensive. That's why religion tries to pacify offense. One of the most offensive things is telling people you must be born again, but Jesus is the one that said it. You go in churches today and tell them you can't be good enough to go to heaven, they'll run you out on a rail. I mean, they've reduced ministry to philosophy and psychology. But the Bible is true, and it doesn't matter what people say on the Internet or what meetings you go to, you're going to have to grow up in God and outgrow most of your drama and trauma. Well, I'm looking for deliverance. Honey, keep looking because you were looking for it this week. You'll be looking for it next week. And until you save yourself from this wicked and untoward generation, you're just going to go around getting junk dumped on you that's going to mess with your mind and mess with your spirituality. And what it's designed to do. You know what it's designed to do? What designed to do? Take you out of church. Take you. Understand this about the devil. The number one thing he wants to do to you. Do you now, I want you to hear this. I don't know why we're getting off on this. This is good. The number one thing he wants. Number one. Everybody say number one. He wants you in here. No. Do not come here. Don't go to that place. Those people are stealing your money. And they'll tell you, and it's amazing. When I get out of the community, to listen to the stuff people say about me, I'm blown away, my God. I think to myself, you know, if this had been 39 years ago, I'd have loved it. I'd, yeah, that's me, buddy. Yeah, yeah, that's me, you know. But today I'm thinking, you've got to make, you've literally got to make this stuff up. I've had countless affairs, stole all the money. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, it's just crazy. But listen, where we're at in history, in the kingdom of God, is the last of the last days. And this, this, this fight we talk about, there's no fight in the spirit realm. No, there's a fight in this mental, soulish realm in which the devil is just bombarding the minds of God's people. And the thing we've got to realize is when we begin, when we begin to follow the mindset of Christ to have this purpose, this will, this desire, 
this mindset in us, we begin to break free from that narrative of this world, narrative of this world and world system, every bit of it that is designed to pull you out of an experience with God and a life with Him. And justify every feeling you got. We were watching some show about the devil. I think Al Pacino was playing the devil. He does it pretty good. But he made this statement. And I thought it was so good. He said this. Now he's speaking as the devil. He said, I, and it's true. This is true of the devil. I have done everything. He's speaking as the devil. I have done everything to cater to the feelings and the mind of man. Every desire they've wanted, I've provided. You think that's true? Absolutely it is. Every feeling they want to experience, every emotion, no matter how depraved, no matter how dark, no, I will supply it for them because vanity is my favorite sin. And we see Jesus, a man void of vanity, a man void of sin, a man perfect in his submission. And not only, you know, you think, well, he's just God and he, he, he became flesh. Listen, he gave up. He made himself of no reputation. Every one of you have a reputation. He made himself of no reputation. That means all of his past existence was set aside. He's an eternal being that has existed for eternity. You say, how can you say that? We don't, our minds can't comprehend that. We just know that it's truth and truth. Amen. He sets that aside and he comes down. And gets into a body. In the womb of a woman. And is born onto the earth. With an assignment and a destiny. To be obedient to God. The word says he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Whoa. Came down. Became obedient unto death. Now one, one translation I like says this. Let me find it here. Became obedient to a criminal's death. How hard would you fight the injustice, injustice of you being falsely charged? Would you fight that with everything you have? You're a criminal. We're going to execute you. It's just human nature. It's just human nature. I said it's human nature. But he wasn't human. It was the divine nature to submit to the Roman whip. To submit to the nails. To submit to the prayer in the garden to submit to the denials, to submit to what was going to happen to him for three days and three nights. And see, I think that we, we think three days and three nights, well, yeah, you don't understand, church. When you step off this planet, you step into the eternal realm. And a day, this is a thousand years. And a thousand years is, is of a day. You say, how long was Jesus in heaven? As long as it took. But when he came to that place in which he had satisfied the terms of justice, God raised him from the dead. Death was not beholding him. Now, whew, where'd my time go? I get into this stuff. I love it. Oh, this is good stuff. I don't know if it thrills you, but it thrills. This is really your key. Now notice, back again, verse uh, 
8. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Now listen, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth and things under the earth. Every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is, is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now listen, wherefore my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Now listen, here's a phrase that has been twisted and abused for so many years. Work out. Everybody say, work out. Your own salvation. Now that shows you right there, there is a particular plan for your life. Amen. You say, what do you mean by that? Don't you think that, well, God just got that? No, he's got a very specific, particular plan for you. Listen to me right now. Well, I've lived too long. I've outlived my... No, you haven't. Till the last breath you breathe, God's got a will for you. Till the last step you take on this earth, God's got a plan for you. Amen. But now notice what it says. Wherefore, my beloved... As you have always obeyed me in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Work out. Everybody say, work out. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, wait a second. We're studying, we're studying the name of Jesus, and we're studying how he got his name, and he got his name through conquest. Now, here he's having conferred upon him, but God is showing us in the example of confirmation upon him to receive the power of his name. We find the truth, which is what? To work out your own salvation. So, so, so what churches have done and denominations have done and religion has done for years is say, okay, we're going to work out our own salvation. So that's what we'll do. Here's our rules. You know, and the Pentecostals and women can't cut their hair and, the, and others, they can't do this and that. It's always the women they put all the rules on. I think that's a good idea, you know, because... <laughs> Amen. And you know, all this, all this, and there's people today that still live under the bondage of a lot of legalism. But you got something on the inside of you. Where is it? Where is, where is your salvation? Where is your salvation? Where is your salvation? It's in you. Everybody say, it's in me. Say, it's in me. Now listen to me, church. In you is something not in other people. In you is something not, that's not in the fa human family. You say, what is it? It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. So in you is all this power, all this anointing, all these assignments, all these plans, all the will of God. It's on the inside of you. Where do you need to get it to? It ain't gonna do good. It doesn't gonna do you any good sitting on the inside of you your whole life. You're gonna have to work it. You're gonna have to work it. You're gonna have to do what? Work it out with fear and with fear and trembling. Why with fear and trembling? Because the devil's doing everything he can do to try to get you not to work it. Out. Because if you get what's on the inside of you out, you're going to affect somebody else. Amen. They're not going to go to hell. They might affect somebody else. They're not going to go. They're going to affect somebody. They're not going to go to hell. See what I'm saying? So in you, in you is what? Healing, preservation, soundness, safety, deliverance, prosperity, blessing, destiny, assignments. All, it's all in you. It's all, God put it in a package, put it in you. 
Put it in a package, put it in you. Authority, gifts of the Spirit, you name it. Revelation, it's in you. But you're going to have to do what? Work out, work out. It's got to come from the inside out. How does it come from the inside out? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, made himself of no reputation, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee, every knee in heaven, earth, and under the earth must bow. Wherefore, my beloved, as you've obeyed me in my presence also now, in my absence even more, work out. Work out. How? How, Paul? How do we? We submit to God. We submit to one another. We submit to His plan. We submit to His will. And we resist the cancer of offense. Which backs you off from the things of God. And one of its biggest lies is that you're compensating for what you're backing off from. I'm getting quiet in here. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, with prayer, with all the things that you discipline yourself in, that you should discipline yourself in spiritually, as you begin to back away from that, you have excuses. See the trap? You're not working nothing out. You're putting a cork on it. You're putting a lid on it. No, no, no. Every, listen, if something irritates you, irritates you get over it. My God, how long can you hang on to some stupid something somebody does or says or or this? Come on, church. Boy, the devil, he's real subtle. He can whisper in your ear, especially as something has happened to you that's not right. And let me tell you what's going to happen to you that's not right in a church setting. Just about everything. So why does God put you in a situation like this? To grow you up. So that you won't be a babe. So that you'll grow up in the things of God. So that His nature will be your nature. In the midst of that, hanging on the cross, He was unoffendable. He said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. How's my time? Oh my goodness, huh? Let me read it real quick. In the, I like it in my passion. Oh, my goodness. Maybe I ought to do a seminar on it. <laughs> no, let's do it right here. Here. He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example, even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. 
Because of that obedience, God exalted him and multiplied his greatness. He has now been given the greatest of all names. The authority of the name of Jesus causes every knee to bow in reverence. Everything and everyone will one day submit to this name in the heavenly realm, in the earthly realm, and in the demonic realm. And every tongue will proclaim Jesus Christ is Lord Yahweh bringing glory and honor honor to God, His Father. My beloved ones, just like you've always listened to everything I've taught you in the past, I'm asking you now, keep following my instructions as though I were right there with you. Now you must continue to make this new life fully manifest. What does that mean? Work out your salvation. Make this thing fully manifest. Amen. I mean, you should be confident anywhere you go, everywhere you go at any time, that if you walk up into a tragic situation, you have authority and power that other people don't have. That don't mean you just go push everybody around and take over. But I guarantee you, if the least you can do is just step back and pray in the Holy Ghost over a situation and pray for mercy, it will have an effect on whatever situation that be. Every time I see an ambulance go by, I say, thank you for mercy, Lord. Thank you for mercy, Lord. Every time I come up on a wreck scene, I say, thank you for mercy. Begin to pray in the Spirit. Listen, you've got to understand, you are carrying an authority on this earth greater than any governmental authority, greater than any military authority, greater than any medical authority, greater than any authority on the earth. You bear the name of Jesus. It is the name that is above every name. He got it through conquest. He defeated everything that will give you any problem in life. Then he had it conferred upon him because his submission and humility was God-like. And God wants your submission and humility to be God-like so you can be insulated and inoculated from offense. That's the vaccine that won't kill you right there. It will help you and bless you and keep you flowing along in the things of God. Amen? Now, if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I, I'm just struggling with some things. You know, I, I, th- this has happened to me, that's happened to me. Here's the enemy's protocol because it, it's very obvious how he works. It's just like any bully. You know, the first blow of a fight pretty much determines who's going to win it. Amen? You say, what do you mean by that? Well, a lot of times, and I say the first blow, the first effective blow. Because a lot of times, the devil will pick a fight with you, falsely thinking that you're not, go- that you're not going to respond to whatever. And many times it's just a thought in the mind that you don't respond to. You entertain it. And let me tell you something. The devil cannot read your mind. But he knows how you think. So what really entices you, he knows about. What you're vulnerable to, he knows about. Let me just say it like this. If you've got a button, he knows how to get a finger on it. We had a friend years ago preached a message called Get Your Goat. He said people have goats hanging all over them. Somebody comes and gets their goat. They get all mad, you know. It's an old country term. <laughs> if you can be made upset, you will be. If you, if you can get agitated, you will be. If you can be offended, you will be. Unless you make a decision to work out your salvation. And one of the ways to keep yourself from all of the negative things the devil's trying to do in the last days is to realize this. And this is what I've done for 39 years. 
The will of God in my life is so much more important than my opinion or what somebody does to me or what somebody says about me. Because in reality, anything that anybody says about me that is not true is not going to carry water anyway. Amen. People that know you know you. Others that don't, you know, they're just going to have to learn or, or, or believe lies. I mean, that's the way it is. But if you make a decision, I don't care what any... And listen, I've been in situations and circumstances. I've been ripped off. I've been taken advantage of. I've, been, I've worked hard and to, to promote something and got nothing out of it. And others got a lot out of it. Hey, so what? Who cares? See, that's the thing. I'm told to live carefree. But the cares the devil wants you to grab a hold of are the cares that are going to harm you, that's going to take you out of your position or your posture of submission to God. Now, I've heard preachers get up and preach on submission, and all they could preach on was submitting to them in the church. But the Bible says, submit yourself therefore to God. James chapter 4, verse 7. This is an important scripture when we teach on the name of Jesus. Submit yourself therefore to God. Submit yourself therefore to God. Your submission begins with God. Your submission begins with God. If you can get that down, then everything else will fall into line. But then the next part of the scripture says, resist the devil. And he will what? Flee. That word in the Greek means to run and start terror. That means a man or a woman that is correctly postured in their submission to God. And I've said this for years, and I, I stand by it today. I mean, you got a guy, the, 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 a guy or a gal, and they're doing anything they can do to serve God. I mean, you know, what do you need me to do at the church? You need me to change the dirty diapers or, or clean up the bathrooms? Well, I don't care. I'll take the lowliest. Doesn't matter. I'll do anything till in aid or sense. I just, you know, the Bible says, uh, David said, I was glad when they said, let us go. To, I want to be at the house of God. I just, I'll come trim the bush. I'll do anything to lend, lend aid or assistance to the move of God. I want to serve. I want to be a servant. And I don't want to serve you. I want to serve God. Well, you'll find out if you're going to serve God, you're going to have to serve people. In that submission of heart, I would much rather have that nursery worker, that janitor, that usher, that sound booth worker pray for me for healing, deliverance, or anything else than I would some preacher who could care less about churches, the move of God. They're not submitting themselves, and everywhere they go, all they do is spread poison. Amen? Well, they've got a gift. Yeah, but it's distorted. And if they lay hands on you, they're going to put that distortion in you. They're not submitted, so they don't have that humility, humbleness, lowliness. One thing about that, it helps you to stay patient and wait. Because anytime you think you're going to get promoted and don't, the enemy has a wide open door in your brain to beat your brains out. I was in a situation where I thought, well, you know, I'd done a lot to, 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 to develop something to help people, and it looked like it wasn't going to work. I was like, man, you know, that's a lot of effort went to it. It wasn't just me, too. There was other people involved. It all has to do with ministry. And uh, so I just kind of, you know, stayed sweet. When a lot of people weren't very sweet. And I just thought, you know, I'm just going to stay sweet. And I'm going to stay sweet. And as I got sweet, you know, my voice got reduced. It just got reduced. How, you know, we just really don't need to hear from you much anymore. That's fine with me. I don't care. I mean... I was looking for the will of God when I found that. <laughs> Amen. So that's not going to stop me from searching God or for blessing and help. But I just, I never, I never got involved in the rhetoric. And then it's, it's come full circle all the way back around now. 
all the way back around and God has restored and blessed and done. You say, why? Because I didn't get offended. I didn't get offended. And there was ever opportunity to get offended because there was no promotion. Oh. Everything I've ever been promoted to only gave me more responsibility. Let me say that again. Some of you need to hear that. Everything that God promoted me into in ministry only gave me more responsibility. And responsibility makes you real sober. Amen. Today, Jesus in this particular scripture is setting an example for you because he first was your substitute. Now, if he could not put his nature in you, you'd be in trouble. But that's, that, that, that heart of submission and servitude is in you. And it is part of the way God promotes his children in the kingdom of God. By those that just, whatever we need to do, whatever we need to do. I found such a, how can I say this? Such a pleasurable, help me Lord, such a pleasurable lifestyle of promotion in serving. So here I was, you know, our ministry had grown. We were about 10 or 12 years into ministry. Leah had come on staff. Uh, we had purchased a building. You know, we're standing in front of large crowds. We're standing in front of people, speaking the word of God every week in a different venue. And then I was asked to come to these meetings and cook, not preach, cook. Amen. Well, you know, hey, wait a minute. Let me show you all my flyers. I throw my flyers away. Show you all my flyers, you know, or Rusty Martin's coming. Why do you want me to cook? Well, I found out that in cooking, I got promoted. Because cooking then opened another door to cook. Next thing you know, I'm cooking for Brother Hagen. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Amen. Next thing, next thing you know, I'm getting, I'm getting to cook for others. And next thing you know, me being able to, to cook some gumbo or fry some shrimp or some oysters has promoted me in the kingdom of God. I'm thinking, my God, how did this happen? I've been up preaching my guts out for 12 years and got more promoted cooking gumbo and, and, and fried shrimp and oysters. Well, one of the biggest preachers in the, in the country, you ask him, you know, Rusty Martin, he'll say, yeah, he cooks good gumbo. <laughs> then he'll say this, I've eaten it before. <laughs> your life in the kingdom should be full of happiness and joy. don't let the expectations of human ego and emotions rob you of the promotion of God Jesus showed us exactly how to posture ourselves we humble ourselves one to another I can't do what you're supposed to do you can't do what I'm supposed to do but buddy together we can do what God's supposed to do amen this one way that Jesus, God, His name is so precious because it shows His submission. Yeah, in conquest, mighty. Lyra, the roaring lion of Judah, destroying the devil. Then we'll get over next week on inheritance or maybe in two weeks on inheritance, how that brings it into our lives. But this is so precious because this shows us the nature of our Father, the nature of our God to do, I like to say it like this, to pull off such a rescue. He pulled it off. And it, he rescued his family. Oh, come on, church. 
He pulled it off and he rescued his family. And it's such a powerful rescue that even today, men and women's hearts are full of that same zeal going throughout the world, teaching and preaching. This morning, I got a, one of those texts about that long from your mom and dad who were on their way to ministry. And they were just sharing everything with me that they were doing. And I was going, this is, uh, this is awesome, awesome. People are just, they're just going to the world. They're, they're telling them about the goodness of God. They're telling them about, that's what all of us are supposed to do. And we're supposed to do it in such a way because see, the world knows what hate smells like. It knows what prejudice smells like. Come on, church. It, it, it knows what offense smells like. It knows what pain feels like. So when they come into contact with us and we have no pain, we have no prejudice, we have none of that, then there, there, there's some dynamic there that creates a curiosity. Just like it did in you. Creates it. And as you're able to just, and I like to say it like this, to just live the gospel in front of people. And then when the time comes, you'll have the words. Jesus. 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 We've said it for years. You say God, sure, it's universal. But Jesus is personal. You've got to make a decision about Jesus. You've, you've got to decide what you're going to do. Whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? Who do you say that I, the son of man, Our assignment is to help people make that answer that question. And they can only answer it when they see Him in us. You can't fool them with religion anymore, church. The statistics are horrible. Christianity in America has died. We're, we're, we're 30, 60, 60, 65 of 100 people attended church in 1980. 17 attend today. Wow. But you're here. And I'm here. And more important, he's here. And he said, I'm going to build my church. Amen. Praise God. How did I ramble that long? It was good anyway. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Amen. Praise God. Nobody looking around. Let me ask you a question real quick. Then we'll see if the Spirit of God, you're in here today, say, Pastor, I'm not living right. I'm not doing right. Maybe you've never, never made Jesus Lord. The Bible says it's easy, simple. All you have to do is believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, Understand you're a sinner in need of a Savior. God will provide that Savior. His name is Jesus. Maybe you've been saved, but you're out of fellowship with God. I've got good news. God never broke His relationship with you. He loves you. He cares about you. He wants you back to His heart today. If you need to get right with God, what a great opportunity today as we study the name of Jesus. So let me ask one more time. If you're here today, you say, I'm not right with God. I'm not living right nor doing right. I need to get right with God. Please pray with me, Pastor Rusty. I will do that if you'll lift your hand. Anybody at all? Praise the Lord. Help me, ushers. There's a hand here. Anyone else? Another hand. God bless you. Anyone else? Quickly, as we look around, a couple have raised their hand. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else? Praise God. Good. Stand on your feet. Now, church, are we going to help them? Oh, come on. Let me get a better amen. Church, are we going to help them? Amen. Two people have raised their hands, so we're going to pray all together out loud so our own ears hear it. You that raised your hand, you pray out loud so your own ears hear it. And when we say amen, you settle it. I'm right with God, and I'm going to stay right with God. Amen. Here we go. Heavenly Father, right now, openly and publicly, I confess 
Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Father. Areas of my life that do not please you, I ask forgiveness. Thanking you that the blood of Jesus this morning is activated in my life, cleansing me from all sin and all unrighteousness. Heavenly Father, you know where I'm weak. Help me, help me to be strong. Thank you, Father. Today, I'm right with you. Help me to stay right with you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Now, my spirit desires to speak to you on the subject of healing this day. For there is that which is conspiring in the world, the minds of evil men, that will bring great pressure upon the human family on the earth in the next few weeks, months ahead. This day, reckon yourself as the healed of God, standing against anything, anything that would try to rise up and dominate your bodies. Let the confession of my word be forever, forever, forever the praise of your mouth as you stand against the wiles of your adversary. Who? Now, who else? Who else? Somebody, there's others. There's others. Where am I looking? Do you have something? Give that out. Yes, now medicine can still help, but it can only take you so far. For there is that which is coming up on the earth that even medicine itself will throw up its hands and says, we don't, we don't know, we don't know, what shall we do? For you see, man has always thought it could press so far into a certain subject and then pull back with the same integrity of mind. But no, they've gone too far now. It's gone too far. It's actually spilled over into realms they cannot control. So make sure in your spirit, man, you have decided <laughs> I am as healed as I am saved and you'll find a resistance on the inside of you that no matter what is told or what is said or what you see around you truly my word will be in manifestation a thousand can fall at your side ten thousand at your right hand but it will not come by you only with your eyes will you behold and see the reward of the wicked thank you Jesus thank you Father there's, there's one more who else one more one more. Sister, Sister Dana, give that out. Thank you. Mm. So in no way and in no wise be proud or lifted up. For it's your humility and your submission to my heart and that which I want to do that will open the door to others. For they will suffer. Many are suffering in fear now. Don't let arrogance, pride, because of the manifestations and power that is demonstrated around you, in you, and through you. Stay humble. Stay meek. Handle the things of the Spirit, giving honor unto the one who is given unto you and allowing Jesus to be exalted in your midst. And much of the drama and trauma the enemy has designed <laughs> will lead to harvest because you will have the answer in the name. And that name will cause salvation to be wrought. That name will cause healing to manifest. That name will cause many to be filled with the Holy Ghost and overflowing with the goodness of God. 
So hear, not just listen, hear what the Spirit of the Lord is not only saying to you, but preparing you for, for when the time comes, if you hear, <laughs> you will be ready. Thank you, Lord. Now lift your hands and thank God for that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Aren't you glad we serve a healing Jesus? I'm so thankful for his healing power. Amen. Praise God. Don't forget we have prayer tonight. Prayer and praise service here tonight at 7 o'clock. Be sure and come. Listen, it's your opportunity to obey God, be part of your discipline, and to just pull back into the things of prayer, the things of God on a local church level. Amen. Praise God. Father, thank you for our service today, for the anointing that's in the house, not just coming for visitation, but here to abide and to be on God's people throughout the week. Thank you for a week of victory. And Father, as we prepare for the coming weekend, thank you, Lord, that your anointing, your blessing, your goodness will be upon us. We claim Psalms 91. No evil befalls us, no plague comes in our dwelling. Thank you, Father. Angels have charge over us. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that each and every one of us will have opportunity to be a witness this week. We've got a great event next week. Thank you, Father. Someone will come to church because of us to hear Brother Darrell next week. We thank you for that, Father. Prepare our hearts. Let our church be prepared so that we can reap the harvest and see the seed planted that will cause the goodness of God to manifest in the lives of many. Fathers, we leave today. We walk in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We walk in love one toward another, thanking you, Heavenly Father, for your blessing, protection, and goodness upon us. Lord, we thank you as we leave today as the ambassadors of Christ. You've called us to be here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.